Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Alexis en el descuento ha marcado el Arsenal como viene siendo habitual esta temporada. Gol de Alexis 1-0 Arsenal. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra as always with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. How's your interlull been going? It's been going. It's yeah. been going. Exciting uh, times? Unremarkable times, I would say. Yeah. Not, nothing, no particular excitement. Um, I haven't watched that much football. Actually, I tell a lie, I watched the Ireland game and then I watched the England game the following day. Mm. Uh, did you watch the Ireland match on Scotland Ireland match? No, no. I was no. playing five aside on Friday night, and uh, I think I could have watched the second half if I'd really wanted, mm. but I didn't. And I watched the first half of the England match the other night, actually. Um, before oh, you I went the, uh, the wrong half in that respect. I certainly did. It was pre- pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> pretty bad. Mostly, I've been watching this uh, Italian TV show called Gomorrah. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of about the, the the mafia in Naples and and all that kind of certainly not stereotypical Italian stuff. Yeah, but, sure. but, but it's good. It's good. I've been I've been enjoying it. So there we go. An alternative way to get through the interval. Yes, exactly. Italian crime drama. <laughs> um, there has been stuff going on, though, from, from an Arsenal point of view. Um, we've had, during the inter... I tell you what, let's stick with, let's stick with uh, England, seeing as we were just talking about that. And Jack Wilshere, apparently, was man of the match playing DM. And mm. um, Danny Welbeck scored twice. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, Wilshere played well again in that role. I have to say, though, I'm not sure he's been particularly tested in it yet. Um you know, it's, it's not a natural position for him, but he basically plays as a kind of quarterback, you know, a deep-lying playmaker. Mm. And his range of passing looks really good. Um, you know, he's got that short passing, those little bursts, but he's also got a bit of a longer ball, which enables him to s- spread the ball to the flanks. And generally, he's done well, but I'm not sure the defensive side of his game has been tested at all yet, really. Yeah. Um, two goals for Welbeck. They'll do his confidence some good after five games without, without a goal for us. Yeah, he's racking them up for England, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he's no, having a good really... season in all competitions for club yes, and country. Yeah, exactly. With that proviso, uh, the numbers are, are good. Um, it's a little bit odd that he hasn't scored in the last five games. I'm not sure that his performances have been you know, any less than they were. I think he's just been a little bit unlucky on a couple of occasions. I think back to that Burnley game, you know, he had a an effort sort of cleared off the line where the defender I don't think knew too much about it mm. um, 
another one just before Callum Chambers scored. So I, I'm pretty confident that, that goals will come back into his game. His goals for England were pretty good. The second one, really nicely taken. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's that classic sort of left-hand side of the penalty area, opens his body out. Really good goal. Kieran Gibbs as well played, came through without snapping. A miracle. Mm. Um, yeah, and some some felt Kieran Gibbs had a really good game. I thought he was not as good as he is for Arsenal. I think that without that understanding from the players around him, you know, he doesn't have the same ability to to sort of attack in those neat little triangles that he does with his club side. But I thought he did very well. Um, you know, certainly wasn't uh, tested defensively, but let's hope he doesn't play against Scotland. To be honest, that's the that's the one I'm a little bit worried about because that could get quite feisty. Yeah, but I mean, is that not just general fear from an Arsenal point of view? Shouldn't a game between Scotland and England be, by its very nature, feisty? You know, oh, yeah. Isn't that the joy of it? Or I'm hoping so. I just yeah. don't want any Arsenal players involved to fucking in, possibly avoid it. In the feistiness. Yeah, exactly. No, I think it'll be entertaining, but, uh, you know, you do worry about the likes of Wilshire and Gibbs. It's a shame that uh, some of our England internationals are some of our most brittle players. Mm. Is there a connection? Perhaps it's something to do with the fluoride in the water. Could be. Yeah? Could be. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Ramsey played for Wales last night and uh, um, didn't have a good game by all accounts um, but he's, he's reacted a little bit in the press to the to the criticism he's had um, I think he was accused of playing Hollywood football by Charlie Nicholas uh-huh. um, and, and we know that Arsene Wenger has spoken a little bit about him in terms of you know he has to you know concentrate on his all round game and not necessarily focus on goal scoring and he said uh, I've had a few injuries I'm just getting back still not 100% physically there it takes a bit out of me it will take me a few more games to get back to my best I'm not worried criticism or certain criticism from people is unfair what do we make of that? Um I suppose it's a fair enough point of view. I mean, you know, he may well be physically short. He's had some injury problems this season and he's been pressed back into action relatively quickly at times. But I don't know. I'm not sure that's a a full explanation. I'm not sure that that explains some of his decision-making on the field. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's really difficult to know. I mean, obviously he's feeling sensitive about it he probably recognises himself that his form's not what it was Uh, is it fitness? really hard to say without knowing the intimate details I mean I don't get that impression though looking at him he seems to be getting about the pitch as well as he ever has done Mm. it's more his decision making uh, and what he does on the ball but maybe that's something that comes with with rhythm what do you what do you think it could well be i was just going to say that maybe if a player is in a you know physically in good form and mentally in good form and confident the the instinctive things that they do tend to come off um as we saw with ramsey last season um mm. but when when you're trying just that little bit too hard you know, it, it can be it can be a little bit counterproductive in a way because I think we see that when Ramsey does try too hard, it it really doesn't work. I think more than anyone that I can think of in this Arsenal side that when they when they're not at a hundred percent or not like uh, they haven't found their rhythm, the the bad things that they do appear to be really really bad. Like um, you know, the back heels to nobody or mm. hitting the ball out for. Uh, you know, for a throw-in when he's trying to make a pass. Wasn't there one 
earlier in the season where I think he wanted to play a crossfield ball probably to the to the right back and oh, ended yeah. up he shanked it over Mertesacker's head and out for a corner. I think that might have been against Palace in the opening day, something like that. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, when, when it doesn't work for him, it really, really doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe just more games. I mean, I think we forget, like, Wilshire and himself, the season has been very stop-start. Mm. Um, in terms of uh, how many games they've played consecutively to to allow you to build that rhythm and, and that confidence that you need. So hopefully, hopefully, after this international break, they can stay fit and, and get in the team. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting point you make about the sort of wild disparity in Ramsey's performances. You do tend to either get one or the other, don't you? And when things don't come off for him, it's, it's very noticeable, mm. more so than with certain other players, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, he had a couple of games like that last season, I think, but but grabbed a goal in them, so it kind of escaped attention. Yeah. And now that he's not scoring, you know, we're, we're picking up on it that much that much more. Hmm. Other people or other players who've been uh, in the news this particular interval: Lucas Podolski, Thomas Rosicki. Um mm. Podolski twice has come out uh, since he went away with Germany and spoken about how unhappy he is. And I think uh, we have to make the distinction between a player getting on a soapbox and declaring to the world, I am unhappy, this is terrible, listen to me. He's obviously being asked about his situation. And when you've started just one game out of the 19 that Arsenal have played, it's a natural question for journalists uh, to ask you, are you happy? What's going on? You know, do you feel like things need to change? And he's been pretty upfront about it, saying, no, uh, I'm not happy. Uh, and something has got to change. Um, You know, can we be surprised at a player of 29 years of age, um, you know, with a reputation that he's got um, and and the experience that he's got? He's hardly going to sit around and say, well, no, look, I'm quite content here to sit and pick up my wages. I mean, that's that's kind of the last thing we want to hear from a player in that position anyway, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of players of his generation retired from the German national team after the World Cup. He didn't. He chose to stay involved. But if he wants to be part of that squad moving forward, he probably knows he needs to start getting some some football somewhere. And, and mm. I think Joachim Love actually said as much, um, saying, you know, Podolski needs to play more if he wants to stay in the squad. So I think it's definitely a big issue for him. I think I think you can't be too surprised or annoyed that he's made his feelings public. I mean, I think we all sense that anyway um, and of course Arsene Wenger's on French television's comeback hasn't he and said uh, denied that he's for sale for 5 million euros or something like that yeah he said uh, I'm I'm the one who sets the prices which reminded me a bit of uh, Breaking Bad yeah Arsene Wenger as Walter White I am the one who knocks yeah <laughs> I am the danger <laughs> Although I can't I really am the see one who negotiates with Galatasaray <laughs> uh, as he goes down to his basement to cook up a whole batch of crystal meth. Maybe that's the problem this season. All our players are on crystal meth. Yeah, that would explain a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was telling that Arsene was like, no, you know, the stories of this price are nonsense. Mm. But he didn't quite say Podolsky's definitely not leaving. You know? Well, I think he said he's not for sale. Um, right. So, which is quite quite categorical, but then you know that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, he's not for sale, and there is no offer. Is 
is what he said. But, I mean, I think it's also quite interesting that Podolsky, you know, when he is being asked about his situation at Arsenal, isn't saying, OK, I'm not in the team right now, but look, I'm going to keep working um, when I get my chance, etc., etc. I think he's aware, obviously, given Wenger's reluctance to use him, that that usually means that the manager... Uh, has his mind made up to a certain extent about whether or not that player is is part of his plans in the long term? I think you mentioned on your blog recently, um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but about a passage in Amy Lawrence's new book where Wenger talks about Lucas Podolski and signing him. Yeah. And he says, initially, I planned to play him as a number nine or on the wing. And then very quickly, I realised he just couldn't play as a number nine. Mm-hmm. And I do kind of feel like, even at that early stage, that was a little bit the death knell for Podolski's time with us. Because ever since then, there's been this slight issue of fitting him into the team. Um, And it's a bit odd, isn't it? You know, Wenger signed him thinking, oh, I'll be able to play him through the middle. But it just didn't transpire as something that was possible. I mean, is that a a flaw in the scouting? Or, you know, it seems odd that that was the plan and then it was so quickly shelved. Yeah, he said, I bought him to be a centre-forward or a wide player, but after a while I thought he's only a wide player, not a centre-forward. So, I mean, I think there was certainly a measure of versatility there. But, um, you know, maybe in his first couple of games he started him up front, didn't he? Uh, In the summer that we bought Giroud and we bought Cazorla, we bought Podolsky, and and Podolsky started up front in the first couple of games. Yeah. but very quickly he decided that that wasn't his his position. I mean, I I think the issue and we've been down it before is that he's not a typical he's not a centre forward who could play in the system we've been playing the last couple of years. No, like he can't do what Giroud did, and he can't necessarily do what Welbeck does now. But maybe in a in a, a team where a front two isn't completely out of the question anymore, he's got more value in that position mm-hmm. than he would have. The issue about him being a wide player, you know, he's got great delivery and um, he just tends to be a bit lethargic out wide. Um, you know, we've seen it in games where it just it just doesn't seem to work for him uh, as a wide player. I mean, I, I would see him probably more as a, a forward off another striker than a wide forward in the modern game. Do you know what I mean? From my yeah. point of view, if that's you know if that's where you had to pick Podolski, that's probably where I'd pick him. Whereas a, a wide player these days has to be a bit more creative, a bit more inventive, um, probably be a bit quicker than Podolski is. Um, you can't dispute the delivery he's got with his you know, with his left foot, but it's being able to work himself into the positions to make that delivery count. So. Um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, Thomas Rosicki as well. He had a bit of a moan. He did, yeah. And it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, he's he was such an important part of the squad last season. I, was, I, mean, I think he played 30, 40 games, something like that. Uh, and like Podolski, he can barely get a kick at the moment. Mm. Again, like Podolski, when he's had the chance, he hasn't been great. But, uh, you know, I think it's fair to say that if you're not getting regular minutes... We talked about it with Ramsey and Wilshire. The same is even more true of these fringe players that it's very hard to find any kind of form. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, though, Joel Campbell, a player who many of us thought would be particularly cheesed off, has has uh, taken to his own website, or taken to his own website, that sounds terrible, but uh, he's used his own website to, to uh, address 
stories about him being furious. Now, he's been left out of the squad for a couple of games recently. He hasn't even made the 18. Um, And he says, uh, what they've been saying is not true. I'm very calm. I have not been furious. Obviously, yes, I'd like to be playing, but that's something that has to be earned. Arsenal's one of the best teams in the world, blah, blah, blah. I have to keep patient, keep training. I know my chance will arrive, and I'll have to take advantage of it when it comes. So is he... Uh, A, hugely optimistic, B, playing the right kind of game in terms of the media uh, and his own character so nobody thinks he's a troublemaker, or Mm. C, quite detached from the reality of his situation at Arsenal because I don't know if his chance is going to come at this point. (laughs) Maybe he saw the Podolsky quotes and thought, ah, this is my chance. Yeah. If we can if we can shift that German out, I'll be one up the pecking order. That's but true. as you say, as you say, um and as Podolsky's situation makes clear, even that spot on the pecking order doesn't guarantee much playing time. Yeah. Um I think it's B, I think it's managing the kind of PR element of this. You know, it's not healthy for any player to be associated with those headlines of strops and storming out and that kind of thing especially one at that early stage in his career who's probably thinking that his next move will probably be the one that defines him. Mm. Um, You know, if he goes to a Benfica or something like that, you know, that's the club where he's going to be signing a four-year deal and looking to make an impact over the peak period of his career. I I think that there's an element of this. I, I imagine that his agents probably said, look, you don't want to upset anyone at Arsenal, but equally you don't want to put any potential suitors off because it, that seems to me to be the way it's going. Yeah. I mean, is it would it be unfair to say that someone, a team like Benfica is probably where he would fit in best in terms of his overall level and the expectation? And I mean, you know, Benfica are a good side. I, I, think, I think he could play for a lot of good teams. I just think that... Um, He's a little bit unfortunate in that he's at a club where we are sort of inundated with options in those areas. Um, If you look at the Premier League, for example, I think if he was in, say, the Liverpool squad, he'd be getting more game time than he is at Arsenal. Um, I I just think that, yeah, he happens to be a player in a position in those sort of wide areas where we have an abundance of talent and it means it's very, very difficult for him to make the breakthrough. Mm. And I can't see him getting a sustained opportunity to do so. So he may have to go elsewhere to to further his career. And it is going to be more difficult with Theo Walcott back now and Olivier Giroud back. Um, You know, if if Campbell is being pushed out of the squad by Sonogo simply because we need another um, centre-forward option, Giroud is going to push Sonogo out of the squad. So mm-hmm. unless something happens to Alexis or to uh, to Walcott again or to Oxlade-Chamberlain or to Cazorla or to Podolsky, you know, where and how does it happen? Exactly. Mm. Uh, I find it very hard to see. Um, did I tell you my, about... Have you heard my Thomas Rosicki conspiracy theory, by the way? No, I haven't. Please. Well, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Okay. But I was reading about uh, Mikel Arteta's new deal. And there was some speculation that the final year of his contract might involve some sort of uh, extension triggered by a number of appearances. And I wondered if the same might apply to Rosicki, because I remember when he signed a new deal last year, it was called by a lot of people a two-year deal. 
but I wonder if it's one of these where he has to play a certain number of games in the first year to win the second year. And could that explain the slight reluctance to bring him off the bench if we've already decided that we're not going to want to retain him beyond the summer? Mm. Why give him a two-year deal then? Why not just give him a one-year deal? He's 34 years of age. I think if you'd sat down with Thomas Rosicki and said, here's a one-year deal, you know, we can we can discuss another 12 months you know, towards the end of the deal, see how it all goes, see how we're feeling, see how you're feeling, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, for that reason, I always would have thought it was a one-year deal. But if you read, I don't know, The, the Mirror or elsewhere, they, they called it a two-year deal at the time. So a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's my, that's my conspiracy theory, guys. Run with it. Yeah. I thought it might be something a little more um, <laughs> exciting than that. Really? I'm sorry. To yeah, disappoint. no, I mean, I thought maybe you were going to say that uh, Rosicki was behind some kind of worldwide event and Arsene Wenger found out and was thoroughly displeased by it and has punished him by keeping him on the bench. I mean, it could be that. There have been some salacious rumours, haven't there? About there have, Rizitsky. yeah. I mean, what if, what if he, for example, was, was writing songs for One Direction? <laughs> Should he not be punished for that? Well... If Arsene knows about that and has punished him accordingly, then he probably deserves more credit than he's getting. Mm. See, he, well, could, he could be using a, a pseudonym, you know, to, to, <laughs> to write his music. Clint Axman or something like that. He's more of a meddler, though. He Thomas, is more of a meddler, but maybe that is the whole key to this conspiracy theory because nobody would expect a metal guy to be writing pop hits for One Direction. It's the perfect cover. Exactly. And Arsene Wenger's discovered this perhaps by chance, walked into the dressing room, Rosicki's there singing a song, and Arsene's turned on his radio on the way home and heard One Direction and then gone, oh my God. It's the same song. Yeah. He must, he must pay for this. But I can't let it, and he, you know, he's a good it man. It would be too much of an embarrassment for him and the club for me to take this public. Absolutely. And he's a good man, Arsene. He wouldn't, you know, despite the fact he wants to, to punish him, he doesn't want to stain his reputation in public. And and this is why. This is it. I There's my is conspiracy it. theory. Okay. I think yours may be more likely to be true. I think so. Um. It's certainly more fun, anyway. <laughs> uh, so quickly, on those three players... Yes. Rosicki, Podolski, Campbell. Do you think they will all be here in February? Um, there's a good question. I don't see Rosicki going anywhere. No, me neither. I could possibly see Podolski going somewhere, depending on the the current state of fitness of the other options mm-hmm. uh, and Campbell well yeah I mean he strikes me as a kind of a lone candidate doesn't he for um, again fitness would would uh, uh, would be an issue here but if we had everyone fit it wouldn't surprise you to see Campbell loaned out I mean if he's just not playing at Arsenal then I don't see the harm in 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 loaning him out somewhere. So, okay. yeah, Rosicki to stay. Podolski, bearing in mind, if everyone's fit, I think Podolski could go in January and Campbell on loan. I think Podolski and Campbell will go permanently. Permanently in January? I think so, yeah. All right, okay. Well, look, there's something we can look back on. 
Yeah. Um, Look back and laugh. At the end of January, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll hark back to this particular podcast. OK, look, we're going to take a short break and we're going to be back with part two and your questions right after this. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. Now for the part where we answer your questions sent to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog. The first question today comes from Sam at the Canon, the underscore Canon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a little small guy that you mm. might know. Um, and he wants to know who should be more worried about their defense this weekend, Arsenal fans or United fans? Oh, good question. Um, so they've been suffering a lot of injuries in this international break, haven't they? Yeah, I think um, Daily Blind has picked up an injury. Yeah, and uh, De Gea as well. Yeah, he, he dislocated a finger. You need to counts. work on your Spanish pronunciation there. I yeah, think. <laughs> I do. Yeah, Daily Blind and David De Gea. I think. Uh, yeah, so they've both had problems, and I think Michael Carrick got sent home from England. I mean, they're having an arsenal of it, really. Mm. They have been all season. Yeah, they have. They have. They've they're, yeah. They've given us a run for that for our money, haven't they? In terms of injuries, trying to steal our crown. Yeah, <laughs> steal our thunder. Um, I don't know who's got the worst defence. I think they do, which is a pretty extraordinary thing to say. Who are they going to uh, play in defence? Raphael, I guess, at right back, or is he injured? So they might have Lindergaard in goal, apparently. Um, Raphael, I think, at right back. Luke Shaw at left back. Mm -hmm. In the centre... Smalling. Smalling and not Rojo. He's out. He's out. It could be uh, McNair. McNair. Yeah, McNair or Blackett. Um, So I wouldn't say that that is, you know, much stronger back Mm. four than ours on paper. I used to do this thing when I looked at... uh, Arsenal, when we were lining up and look at the opposition lineup, and I'd look at the, I'd look at the opposition defence, mm. and I think to myself, well, you know, if you can't score a goal or two against them, then what's the point in any of it? And then I realised after a while that, you know, despite the fact we might slag off certain players or what have you, there's a. There is a general quality to a player playing in the Premier League, and if they're well organised, they can they can um, they can thwart you. That was the word I was looking for. The last time it happened in a good way was when um, we were playing the FA Cup final at Wembley, and um, Alex Bruce went off, and they brought Paul McShane on. And I turned mm-hmm. around to uh, to Ars Blog Tom and, and to Dave, another guy who was just sitting behind us, and I went, "Now we've got a chance." And I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure much of that was down to Paul McShane doing anything particularly badly, but there's just a general lack of quality with Paul McShane. So I don't quite know what my point is, other than to say you can look at a back four of Raphael, McNair, Smalling, and Shaw, and think, "Yeah, we can have a really good go at that," but really might not make that much difference. No. I mean, they did keep a clean sheet in their last game, albeit against Crystal Palace. This does work conversely, though, when you're looking at an Arsenal back four that includes Monreal and Mertesacker at centre-half. Then it's, like, just intrinsically weak. So I don't quite know how to square this one off. 
I mean, yeah, they, they they kept a clean sheet against Crystal Palace with a back four that included Daly Blind, who was a midfielder, Ryan McNair, who is a teenager, and Antonio Valencia, who's also a midfielder. Mm. Um, they've conceded one more goal than us in the Premier League to date. Um, so we're, I don't know. we're one better than them at defence. We're one better in theory. Mm. In theory. In practice, it's going to be a shootout, isn't it? I mean... There should be goals in this game. Imagine this ended nil-nil. <laughs> Can you believe it? It would be extraordinary. Imagine two uh, heroic defensive performances. Blocks here and goal-saving line, uh, clearing off the line there and last-minute headers. And Oh, imagine. What kind of injuries have they got in attack? I think Falcao's going to miss out. Is he? Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah. But they've still got Van Persie, Rooney, Mata... Uh, you know, all the gang. Angel, angel of... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mary as well. He'll be Angel playing. Of Mary. The yeah. Angel of Mary. He'll have been watching uh, Callum Chambers' performance at fullback at Swansea and thinking... You fancy a go at him because yeah. <laughs> he's also got that acceleration you know? uh, and pace and delivery yeah. and skill and quality and yeah he's good. he's good he is a good player so that's the worry I, I don't know who should be more worried I, I can understand the fears of both sets of fans to be honest in this situation yeah I think we should be more worried simply because we don't We're care what Manchester fans. United yeah. think <laughs> or how their fans feel but there you go all right Okay, well, there we go. Um, well, let's continue on the theme. This is from Alan Brotten, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I suspect not. Brotten? Brochen, Broghan. He asks, provided we get no more news on injuries, as if, what's your team for Saturday? Does Walcott start? Ooh, good question. Um, what's my team? Uh, I think he's going to pick the same back four. I do as well. Um, Is that what you would do? Yeah, probably just because it is... A big game. A big game. And look, much as you'd like to see Bellerin get a run out, Bellerin against Angel of Mary, yeah. Um, He's got the pace to deal with it, but certainly not the experience. And Chambers is just a bit more experienced. Um, I think if you were going to play Bellerin in a game of this magnitude, you would have needed to give him a little run into it, I suspect. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, you would have thought playing him against some of the more... um, 
what was it? What's the word I'm looking for here? Swansea-ish. Yeah, but you know, even then, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the the so-called lesser lights. You you mm. would have liked to see him give a game. So it's hard to see him give a uh, uh, give him a game against Manchester United. Midfield depends entirely on whether Arteta is fit. Um, I hope he's fit. Do we have any indication on that? I don't. Not know. yet. Not yet. But I'm hoping Arteta is fit because I'd play him ahead of Flamini and I think I'd play Ramsey or Wilshire. I think he might do something like he did against Chelsea, you know, where he kind of played Cazorla quite central too. Um, Alexis and Welbeck have to start. Then it's an Oxlade-Chamberlain or Walcott um, decision, isn't it? So do you think he might... I don't know, push one of Alexis or Welbeck wide and pack the central midfield a bit. I think he might, yeah. I think yeah. he might. I do as well. Um, and I think, yeah, I don't know whether to... whether. I guess we don't know with Theo as to wh- whether or not he's ready to start a game yet. Um, be interesting to see. I mean, he didn't get on for England... Uh, on at the weekend, but I imagine he'll get some playing time against Scotland. Yeah, and it's good because he never seems to get in- injured playing for England, does he? No. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Um, so yeah, I think it's just trying to find the balance between playing your best eleven or, or playing the best players that you have available, and the fact that playing those best eleven doesn't seem to be working out. So how do you change it effectively? Uh, without robbing yourself of the ability to change things from the bench, should you need to. Um, but I guess a, a lot will depend on the on the availability of Arteta. I mean, you, you'd if you could maybe play a midfield trio of Arteta, Ramsey, and Wilshire. I think he'd like to do that. Yeah, I think that's what he might do as well. I think he'd like that. Um, and I think Arteta would just give us a little bit more uh, assurance and, and control at the base of the midfield as the other two hair about the place trying to score goals. I think uh, I think if he can, he'll go with Arteta, Ramsey and Wilshire. If Arteta doesn't make it, I still think he might just sort of sub Flamini into that three. And then I think... I think Cazorla might miss out. I think he might, I might go Sanchez and Oxlade-Chamberlain in the wide areas and then well back through the middle. I think. Yeah. You, do, you don't think you'll play Theo because uh, Tim Hardwick at Barcelona was asking, uh, you know, with the game likely to end 7-7, <laughs> would you play Theo and go all-out pace, bearing in mind United's defence? I don't know. He's been very cautious, hasn't he, with Theo? And he said that he doesn't want to rush him. I think if Theo had got a few more minutes before this game, he might have had a chance. But with the way our games have been against... Uh, who was it? Anderlecht. He didn't get on at all, did he? Mm. Because we were in that sort of slightly odd position and then he, he barely got a kick against Swansea. I can't see him being thrust into the starting lineup. I have to say. Right. And you're talking about options on the bench and he gives you a great option on the bench and I think that's where I'll start this one. Right. Okay. Um, before we get on with the next question, you remember we had a question a couple of um, couple of weeks back about pronunciation of of names. Oh, remember yeah. that. Um, well, our friend Conrad. Uh, here it is, uh, Petrusevich, with mm. a good Polish name. His sister um, has recorded the the correct 
Polish pronunciation of, of uh, our goalkeeper's name. So I don't know okay. if, if you can hear this or not. I'm going to play it. I don't know if you can hear it, but let me know if you can. Hang on. Wojciech Szczęsny. Do you hear that? Very faintly. Okay, hang on. Let me go. Wojciech Szczęsny. How about that? Any better? Yeah. Wojciech Szczęsny. Right. So there. Wojciech. That's us told. That's us told. Um, but I'm not going to pronounce it like that because it just sounds sounds odd to me. Well, it's, it's just too difficult. Yeah, way too hard, I think. Um, um, you know, you come to our country, we'll pronounce your name however we want. Yeah. Wojciech Szczęsny. There, listen. Wojciech Szczęsny. How was that louder? Szczęsny. 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 No, no, listen. Wojciech Szczęsny. Szczęsny. There's a there's a definite N in there somewhere. Really? Yeah, because rogue N. No, well, it's, it's not that rogue, is it? Or maybe well, it is, is maybe if it's at the front. Mm. Schne- say it, play it again. Hang on, here we go. One sec. Wojciech Szczęsny. Wojciech Szczęsny. Huh. See? Wojciech Szczęsny. Wojciech Szczęsny. Hmm. See? Well, well done. Well done. Uh, she's she's nailed it. Thank you, Wanda. Um, Thank you very much, Wanda. If we could continue this, if people from all around the world want to get in touch with the proper pronunciations of some of our players, I suspect we might be getting Rzitski wrong sometimes. Yeah, because there's the whole Rzitski. Rzitski. Yeah. I think it's Rzitski, but yeah, it could be. Could be. Let us know. Record your correct Arsenal pronunciations we could learn something I mean obviously we can't learn it I still can't do it but it's a nice thought isn't it yeah yeah Jack uh, Walshire Jack yeah Jack Aaron Rumsey Rumsey Aaron Rumsey Kieran all right. Um, leaving that, that aside. Yes. Mm. Um, here is a question from. Um, oh, it's from Jim Mooney. He's oh, at yeah. Jim Mooney underscore. Not yeah, not Jim underscore Mooney. He says, "What is the most irritating squad number? Viva seven, Sanya three, Diaby two, or Galas ten? It's got to be Galas ten, hasn't it? Yeah. Shock." Yeah. <laughs> Anything to do with Gallus was the most irritating thing of all time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Gallus 10 was, was horrendous. It was an affront, wasn't it, to the shirt and the number and everything it stands for. Yeah, yeah. The, the arrogance of the man. It's unforgivable. It really was. It really was. Did he keep that shirt number till he left? Yeah, we retired it after he left. Because he was such a, uh, an outstanding success as a player and a captain that we such decided to retire. Actually, yeah, the, the number 10 and the name William. So we can never have another player called William ever again. That's why the, the Carvalho deal fell through. That is, yeah, that's the reality of it, folks. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely the most irritating. I would agree. The, the, others... the current squad, that, uh, Q, we've, we've done quite well to sort of sort it out, haven't we? Yeah, let me just have a look here on the, on the official website. We've given website. Kieran Gibbs number three, we've given Debushi number two. Um, yeah, I mean, they're the, proper, they're the proper fullback numbers, aren't they, you know? Yeah. Um, let me just see. 
No, I don't think there's anything that particularly stands out. Uh, we don't have a five. It's almost as if we don't have enough centre-backs. Because mm. five is a good proper centre-half number. Yeah. And we don't have a five. Let's hope we've got a five at the end of January. Why, can't, why couldn't we give Callum Chambers five? I just, mate, I don't know. Yeah. Especially if that was always the plan for him to be the centre-half cover. I suspect it wasn't. I suspect we were trying to get someone else. We were looking for that number five, the elusive number five. Yeah, keeping it. never it. happened. Yeah, that, that's a lure, isn't it? Come play for us and you can have the number five. It would be a factor in my thinking, definitely. What's your, what's your, what's your number in 11 aside? What, what do you like? From 1 to 11, yeah. or are we talking big, crazy squad numbers? No, no, no. From 1 to 11, you know, when you're playing Sunday League and there's no such thing as, you know, 42, it's like everyone's got a shirt, you know, from I think, 1 to well, 11. Well, I've played a lot of left back, so I think I've got to say three, really. Yeah. Um, you know, that, I mean, I, I've, if you ask me what my favourite number is, I find the most romance is attached to the number seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's something about it. Seven, and, seven and eleven, I like. I always liked eleven too, um, yeah. but no, not that I ever played with a seven or an eleven. No, no, I was I, uh, a four or a six was was my thing, and a six is my favourite, really. Six is a good number in Arsenal terms. Tony yeah. Adams, Lark yeah. Shelney, yeah. Um, we've had some good threes as well. Eleven's an interesting one. Who's our eleven now? Uh, Ozil. Of course, it is. Yeah. That, that 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 old guy <laughs> forgot all about him. Yeah, how could you forget the forty-two and a half million pound record signing? Yeah, yeah. It's almost as if he's, <laughs> he's disappeared. Imagine. Okay, um, right. Let's have another question. Okay, let's have another question. All right, this one comes from Bob Billingworth. At least I think that's his name. I might have got it. Oh no, it's Bob Illingworth. <laughs> I just got carried away with the piece. You can um, be crazy. Yeah, I got too plosive there. Uh, he says, with the busy schedule, schedule, schedule. I mean, write in on that one, guys. I'm not sure. Is it schedule or schedule? It depends if you're American or English, apparently. I don't know what the Irish do. Is it issue or issue? Issue for me. Yeah, for me as well. For me. Okay. Um, with the busy uh, schedule. Do you see? <laughs> do you see Arsene Wenger rotating Giroud and Welbeck, or starting them together? Uh, rotating more than starting them together, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, it strikes me that in a pure four-four-two, they might be a really good partnership because they complement each other quite well in that Giroud is good in around the box, holding the ball up, and Welbeck, as we saw um, with that goal. Uh, for England the other night, his movement is is very good, and that you know if he could play off a guy who plays those little flicks in around the corner, then yeah, it, it could work pretty well. But I think for the most part, when you've got a player like uh, Alexis, who's got to play with one of them basically, because when you put him in the middle, he's quite devastating. Um, you know, unless you shunt him out wide. Not that I think Alexis has any problem with that either, because he no, was talking... I mean, when, when, um, he seems to say it's his favourite position, doesn't he? Yeah, he said he doesn't care. He, he'll play anywhere. Play as a striker, play wide right, play wide left. He doesn't care. He just wants to play football. So I don't think it's an issue that you're going to play him in a position where he's going, oh, why am I, why am I being put here? No. Uh, as opposed to perhaps the mysterious number 11, whose name we can't remember, uh, clearly wants to play in a more central position, right? Mm. 
Um, but look, you know, I think what, what Giroud does is give the team some qualities that it doesn't necessarily have right now. Um, with, uh, you know, with his uh, back to goal, he's very good. Um, he's got really nice hair. He's got great hair. Uh, cheekbones are good. You know, there's a cheekbone deficit in the squad. Yeah. Um, the finger waggling, we certainly, you know, are, are missing that in a big way. Because how else is a referee supposed to know a player is mildly discomforted unless he's snapping his fingers in, in dismay? And I think with, you know, Debussy, Koscielny and Diaby all out, Coughlin on loan, it's fair to ask, are we French enough? That is a good question. That is you a good know? question. And I can't think of anyone more French, really, in modern football than Olivier Giroud. He's pretty French. Yes, him and Marcel Marceau. They're right up there. They are. It's interesting. Andrew Allen pointed out to me there yesterday that um, look at the look at the long term injuries we've had this season. Koscielny's out, Debussy's out, Giroud's out. All French. Mm. Perhaps there's something in their diet that they're missing. Perhaps wines. Yeah, exactly. Not enough wine. Not enough wine. Uh, yeah, no, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with these two, Jury and Welbeck. I, I think it's very hard to call which one will, you know, kind of emerge as the first choice. Mm. But I think that's probably a healthy thing. Yeah, yeah. All let right. Them fight it out, let them wrestle it. Well, exactly. Competition is good. It's good. Yeah. Um, assuming that, you know, they're, you know, the best man is allowed win in that sense. Indeed, if you know what I mean. All right, uh, here's one from Jamie Webb, at Jamie Webb, 1993. Okay. He wants to know, what song title best summarises Arsenal's season so far? I'd suggest Oops, I Did It Again by <laughs> by Britney Spears. Uh, I was laughing because I, I already knew who that was by, being a big Britney fan. Yes. You can imagine. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it goes without saying. Um, what an entertainer. <laughs> uh, what I don't know Johnny Cash Hurt that would be, be a good one yeah yeah. it's a cover actually isn't it it's not his originally no Nine uh, Inch Nails <laughs> good knowledge yeah yeah no that's good it feels like we're you know playing with Nine Inch Nails in our feet <laughs> maybe that maybe that is what Abu Dhabi's been doing all this time yeah it would explain a lot yeah um, what about yourself? Any any thoughts? Um, good question. Uh, there's a David Bowie song from uh, the Ziggy Stardust album called It Ain't Easy, which um, strikes me as good. Yeah. Rock and Roll Suicide is also on that album, and if you change rock and roll to football or defensive, that would also work quite well. But maybe we're being a little bit too uh, in the past here. We should be more modern. Although I'm not too up on my modern music with these, that Ed Ed guy, you know the Ed, Ed guy, Ed Shearer. Yeah, Ed Shearer. Yeah, he's Alan Shearer's son. Alan Alan Shearer's son. Yeah, Alan Shearer's son. And that other guy who sings like you know the other guy. I don't know his name, but he sings like that guy. Everything he sings is like. Do you mean Sam? Is it Sam Smith? That's the guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's quite chubby, isn't he, for a pop star? I don't mind that. Do you think he's just bringing it back to the common people? Like, pop stars shouldn't be chubby? Yeah, exactly. I like it. He's, you know, I think he's showing 
Anyone, anyone can make it if you can make that weird noise. Yeah. It's very much like, it's very much like that, yeah. Yeah, well, look, you know, he's found a niche because there aren't too many people who go... No, only dogs can hear him. Yeah. It's quite the niche. What Are we being too negative? What about something, you know, hero, say, the Mariah Carey song for Alexis Sanchez? Is there any, are there positives we can touch on here? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Hero... Enrique Iglesias yeah that's a hell of a song it really is really is I'd love to hear Sam Smith sing that song (laughs) (laughs) I mean they all sound like that really don't they yeah they go through the prism that is Sam Smith yes Yes. All right. Um, so, uh, in short, um, we we don't know. We don't know any music from the last ten years. So sorry. Yeah. Apart from Sam Smith. But Sam Smith's good, even though he's a bit chubby. Right. What? Should we have another one? Yeah. Why not? Okay. This is from Brian Bennett, and that is his name. His name is not Brian Ennett, and I've got carried away again. <laughs> yeah, you've got the B quotient absolutely perfectly this yeah, time. Yeah. His name is Brian Bennett. His name is Brian Bennett. Uh, and he asks, what is your most and least favourite Arsenal jersey from over the years? My most favourite jersey is the jersey that we wore in the 1979 FA Cup final because okay. it's so fucking awesome. It's yellow and it's got the blue and it's just the most beautiful kit, the most beautiful away kit. I Lovely. Think. So that's my favourite. Um, my least favourite. It's a bit of a toss-up here. Um, I didn't like the 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 thing, the purple and stripy one that we had a couple of years ago, Podolski's first season when we uh, played at Anfield. At and Anfield. Won. Yeah, that's disgusting. Um, pretty much any of the blue kits are are horrible. Uh, and I think we wore a blue kit. Was it Robbie Fowler scored a hat-trick against us in about three minutes or four minutes some seasons yeah, back? crazy like that. And I think we were wearing a blue kit that day. And whatever, yeah, that, that to me is the most horrendously disgusting Arsenal kit I've ever seen. But any any number of the blue efforts over the over the past couple of seasons uh, have been awful. I just can't bear them because they were designed um, for for leisure wear, not for kit wear. You know. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that that would be mine. What about yours? I'm just trying to think. I think in terms of favourites, there was a recent one I really liked, which was the I think it was the 125th year anniversary one. It had the massive badge with like the laurel around yeah. it. But it was a very simple kit. It was just red with white sleeves. Mm. Uh, and I, I like Classic. That. Yeah, indeed. Uh, in terms of kits that I really didn't like, I think it was a third kit, but it was a white shirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was pretty hideous. It was around the Galas era, I seem to remember. He probably designed it I and think insisted he did on it. Commission it, yeah. yeah. And it was like a horrible white effort with some sort of maybe slight pinstripe. I remember, uh, I remember Adi Bayor being in that kit. Yeah, it was worn by all our heroes. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, it was horrific. It was yeah. a, that was a, t- a bad year for kits. I seem to remember, um, but that was kind of 
I think we had a blue kit and a white kit that year. Yeah. God. Not Why awful. can't they just, you know, yellow and blue, fuckers, and red and white. It's not, it's just not that difficult. You oh, know. by the way, yes. I to ask on mm-hmm. this subject, someone asked, it was Adam Arsenal. He says, it may sound silly, but do you think the new kits have played a part in performances? Players don't look comfortable, etc. No, I think we had this about the, the, the shirt grabbing, yeah. didn't we? Um, but no, I, I I don't think so. I don't think so. You my, don't my, think it's my, making them feel a bit self-conscious, maybe? That they're a bit nipply. Yeah. That they're, yeah. They're, I don't they're know, winking. look. Adam's prefaced it with may sound silly, but I thought while we were on the subject... Of silliness. And kits. Yes. Oh, sorry, kits, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe. I, just, I guess they would have some Under Armour stuff as well, wouldn't they? So they wouldn't be too cold. But yeah, they do look like when it rains, they look particularly uncomfortable shirts. But I don't know that that really has any impact on, on how they play. Mm. Don't think so. But I think those Puma skin-tight kits look a lot better at a World Cup when the sun is shining than they do uh, in a soggy Welsh afternoon uh, against Swansea, for example. Yeah, that's true. Purr looks a bit bit uncomfortable. Yeah, he does. It's not ideal. All right, we're going to have one final question, and this comes from Christian, and he's at CSJDKK1, and he wants to know, mm-hmm. will there ever be a boy born who can swim faster than a shark? <laughs> the eternal question. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that there might be, because there might be like mutants born, mightn't there? I mm. mean, I've seen X-Men, and I assume that is some sort of forward-looking documentary. I think there could be. There's a lot of nuclear testing going on. Yeah. And I just think the gene pool could mutate significantly for an outlier to be born who had that kind of phenomenal swimming capability. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly, I don't know how fast a shark swims, if I'm honest. Um, I've, I've, just, um, I've just Googled that. I just Googled that. And, and Wikipedia says, uh, how fast can a shark... In general, sharks swim in brackets, cruise at an average speed of 8 kilometers per hour, five, uh, uh, 5 miles per hour. But when feeding or attacking, the average shark can reach speeds upwards of 12 miles per hour, which sounds pretty slow to me. I would have thought sharks could swim a lot faster than that. 12 miles an hour? Yeah. I think I could swim faster than a shark. Yeah. I mean, let's not test it. Definitely However... Not. Ask.com says, because of its highly streamlined shape and powerful swimming muscles, a great white shark can swim up to 35 miles per hour in short bursts. Here we go. Now That's more talking. like it. That's, That's more like see. it. But I, I think that a, a boy could one day swim faster than a shark because here's the thing. Sharks, as we know, have been around for millions of years, right? Yeah. Like, you know from way, way back when sharks were first introduced into the ocean by the shark god. But they haven't changed a great deal. Same way crocodiles haven't changed a great deal, have they? Like your great white shark no. is your great white shark. But if you were lazy. If you were to build uh, an underground dome or an underwater dome in which you were to breed 
selective humans and then send them out and to go swimming, maybe evolution would change the human shape physiology to the point where, you know, you'd start getting webbed fingers and perhaps instead of feet, you'd have flippers and, and maybe a dorsal fin. Mm. So you could have a kind of a shark-human hybrid boy. Is that still a boy? Well, technically, because it would have a winkle. Right. Well, that's the differentiator for yeah. me. So uh, I think uh, it could happen, but not for millions of years, and none of us will be alive to see it. I mean, the fastest swimming man at present, apparently, is the, the record is an average speed of 5.3 miles per hour. That's slow, surely. Surely somebody can swim faster than that. Surely one of our listeners, if they really put their mind to it... Could swim more than that, yeah. In short I think bursts. anyone could, if yeah. they really could be bothered. Yeah, but that's the thing, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's bothered. Let's get a pool, one lane's a shark, and one lane is a queue of our listeners, and we'll find the boy. We don't want to lose too many listeners, though. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a. Don't worry. We'll have, you know, something separating the lanes. Yeah, yeah. I like, don't know what. A, a piece of a, rock. a line of Tottenham fans. <laughs> that could do it all right. Um, so, in conclusion, yes, it will happen, but no, it won't happen before Band Aid four hundred and seven is out. No, no. Feed the world. Let them know it's time we found a boy faster than a shark. Yes. And as Sam Smith would say, I think we should leave it there. Yeah, let's go. Thanks for listening, folks. Bye-bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.